Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. Nitin, it's been a wild day, man. The NBA is back. You could argue that 2020, on average, is the worst aggregate year in anyone's lifetime that, that's currently alive, on average. And... For me to be back at a sports bar, just slamming drinks, yelling at the TV screen, there's nothing like it. I'm fucking fired up right now. Nice. Well, uh, you're at a, a bar's open out there. In bars Chicago? are open. We we solved coronavirus, um, <laughs> thankfully. Um, no, yeah, I mean we're we're still social distancing. You got to wear your mask when you go to the bathroom and such, but definitely a few deep right now. And the, and look, the reality is. Chicago, we've been safe, as we know, and our numbers are okay. And there's 22 states that we're not allowed to travel to, technically. And uh, as long as you stay within borders, you're good. Bars are open. They they have to serve food, technically. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's the same thing with Magic City, right? That's how they got away with uh, being open. I had um, some wings in honor of Lou Williams tonight. <laughs> But yeah, man, I, I know what you mean, though. Like, I was not at a bar because no bars are open. I had a buddy over, though, and we were throwing back beers, watching the game. It felt it felt normal uh, for a little bit. Um, it just felt good. It felt good having the NBA back. Actual games, like I know the scrimmages were going on, and the scrimmages honestly looked a lot like these games presentation-wise, but there was just a different feeling, a different energy, and I, I thought it was really nice just having the regular season back. They had a different feel. Obviously, the biggest thing is none of the uh, the exhibition games were on like true national TV. Like some of them were on NBA TV and such. But TNT, you had Chuck, you know, Kenny, Jet, um, Ernie, and Shaq in the booth. I mean, sorry, in the studio. You kind of had that whole lead up, and then to actually be able to go through the. I think this is the first time the jerseys were unveiled with the. You know, the statements on them. Um, this is the first time that they knelt for the national anthem. And that was a really, really powerful moment right before the uh, they both did it. But I think the first the, the shock and awe factor for the Pelicans jazz game was I think it was actually a pretty heavy and special moment. Um, and I thought they did it tastefully. They did. They did do it tastefully. Um, I thought they handled the entire presentation, the entire um, kind of gravity of, of the uh, of the evening. Well, um, you couldn't ask for more. So it's you know what's crazy is like the the NBA has been planning this for. I mean, they've been planning this since the day le- the day the league shut down. We know that, but in terms of when it actually became a public sort of uh, news event, in terms of when they were trying to come back, where they were trying to to host it. All we've had is is kind of questions and doubts about whether this was the right idea, whether this was going to be safe enough, whether players would be in for it. And to like, I'm not saying they're they're through the woods by any measure, right? They can have as many p- negative tests as they want. The first positive is always going to create kind of like the the potential snowball. But the fact that they even got to this point, I think is it's crazy, man. Like it really is. I I can't say enough about the work that you know everyone's done whether that's the players association whether that's the league whether that's you know all of the like sponsors and the employees it's it's wild um you look at baseball fucking 19 marlins players have tested positive and we haven't even been live for a week yeah we appreciate it more given all the news around the rest of the leagues i mean the mls today um which team was it that had a breakout of of cases I didn't even see um, that. Did that happen yeah, yeah. today? It happened today. There was a breakout of cases on one of the teams. And so it's like every league is susceptible to these um, these kinds of things. But the NBA, and honestly, knock on wood, the NBA still it could still happen. But so far, they've, they've had a uh, very smooth start. And it, it has gone better so far beyond anyone's expectations. No one yeah. thought we'd even be at, or most people didn't even think we'd be at this point. So... You know, kudos to Adam Silver, kudos to the players, kudos to everyone that made this happen. Because as of now, because we have to stress that as of now, it's still going smoothly. 
And I'm not trying to slurp Adam Silver too much, but it needs to be said that uh, the viewing experience, I think with the ex- exhibition, almost felt like we were watching Summer League. I know you said it felt similar. I think they did do some things that are different, right? They had like those virtual fans, <laughs> even though there were some empty seats somehow with like trying to fill up like 100 people. I don't know how there could possibly be empty seats, but virtual fans and the way they space out the the players on the bench and the coaches actually makes it feel like there's a bunch of people there somehow. Yep. No, so. I, I do agree. And then I think one of the things, even though the from a visual standpoint, for me, it didn't feel that different. The audio, they fixed, like they they toned down the sounds of the sneakers and the players' voices. Yeah. The commentators' voices are a little bit more elevated. So it felt like you're just watching a normal TNT broadcast. And it felt like there's some kind of crowd noise in the background. I don't know if that was the, the yeah, fans or... Just some noise they're piping. I think in, if but... you like download the app, you could just like tap your home screen over and over again, and that like cheers louder or something. <laughs> the thing is, actually, this is why a lot of people are like, oh, why aren't they? Te-? I said this myself. Why aren't they televising uh, the exhibitions on national TV? It's not just about the players shaking off the rust. They had to see what the product was going to look like themselves, right? And like, okay, we need to tweak X, Y, Z about the format. We need to do this. We need to showcase this more. Like, it wasn't just like, hey, I don't want you to see Luca when he's rusty or see someone random when he's rusty. It's more about like, let's get this right. And then Thursday, all eyes on us. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they've handled it. They handled it well. I liked everything about the presentation. Um, it was good, man. It was just really fun to watch these games. And it, it obviously, the games themselves were amazing. So there was nothing to complain about. You know what I find interesting really quickly? is the NBA has had a long-standing rule against kneeling for the national anthem, actually, which I think people don't necessarily recognize because there's such a socially progressive league who, you know, feels like they hear their players and really, like, cater to, to, to their wishes and sort of, like, make sure that they're partners in this effort. But in the NFL, they actually don't have that rule technically but everyone's vilified who does it, whether it's like a Kaepernick or whether it's an Eric Reed or whoever. It's ironic that the NBA is actually the league that has that rule, and they actually flexed it out for for this uh, restart. And you know they do a lot of good across the board. But I'm interested to learn if people actually know that because I wonder if they would get you know some maybe well deserved flack for that, where it's like, why aren't you allowing that to happen if you're such a you know, open-minded, free speech type organization. I mean, the reason I don't think they get flack for it is because they allowed players to express themselves in other ways. Like yeah. the I can't breathe shirts, the uh, the warm-up jerseys. They they always allowed some kind of symbolic forms of, of protest. Yeah, And I, I mean, it, it was weird, right? The fact that they didn't allow, um, technically, that you weren't allowed to kneel during the anthem and no one really paid attention to that. It's because they allowed all these other forms of protest. And and because the NBA was unified. So all the players were on the same page with a lot of these issues, but they all stood because that's just how it was. Well, and now, I mean, so I, I don't, I agree. Like, I don't think they should get flack for it. Uh, it is interesting, but ultimately they've always been able to express themselves. Well, so I think that's a huge, huge point, right? Is that the NFL is such a, uh, you know, a hodgepodge of, of different, not just personalities, but different archetypes, right? You have guys who are not going to get paid again after a four-game stretch because they're going to get cut and that's the end of their career to a guy making $500 million in Patrick Mahomes. Like, the difference in terms of the type of player, not just position, not just salary, age, everything, is so much more varied than the NBA that it's a lot harder to actually create this like united front. So actually when the kneeling uh, was happening in the NFL and like there was a lot of controversy around that, um, you know, the kneeling is something that everyone should support for the idea of free speech. But when the NBA, when it came to NBA's turn, LeBron is actually one of the guys and among other stars who said, we're not going to kneel. Right. And it, it didn't, that's why there's no dissent because LeBron said it or Chris Paul said it or Dwayne Wade said it and these guys are going to fall in line. Um, but I guess, you know, it was it's important. You know, the restart was very much predicated on can we make sure that there are social justice 
initiatives in place and there's the right platform and the right spotlight. And so I think it became a bigger part of what they were trying to do. And like when the Jazz and Pelicans kneeled, I mean, I was like, man, that is a powerful moment, right? Across the board, coaches, players, trainers, refs, everyone. Refs too, yeah. Yeah. Um, It was cool. I know both teams did it, but that first moment was a very, like, very cool start to to the restart. It really was. It really was. I liked it. And, I mean, like you said, it's a unified thing. Coaches, players, refs. Like, the fact that everyone has this. And it just... It makes the NBA just feel – this is why the NBA is so strong, I think, um, and so successful is that there is a, a – the players union – you know, the reason, first of all, the NBA players are doing much better, the way they were able to make this bubble happen compared to other leagues is because they have, you know, a lot of power in what they have to say. And they have a pretty good relationship overall when you consider with the yeah. owners, with the rest of the league. And a lot of other leagues can't say that. You talked about football. A lot of these players are disposable. They're on these short contracts. And then you're asked to kneel when, look, your owner doesn't believe in this. And then you're put on the spot where some of your teammates are kneeling. And it's like, yeah. do you risk your contract? And You have a non-guaranteed deal. Yeah. And I, and I think it's just the NBA has such a – and it's the nature of the sport, right, and the nature of the contracts. But – much healthier relationship between the players, between the owners, between the entire organizations that allows for them to do this. And so I'm glad to take advantage of it. I think the contracts and the financial stability are a huge part of that, right? There's NFL players who have come out and basically said that they didn't do it because they didn't want to get cut, which is sad. And just, you know, I think a lot of people on Twitter who are talking about how they're never going to watch again are really showing their true colors around what they care about. And this was always part of the conversation around the NFL, but I think it's come to the NBA a bit where NBA was always more socially aware, socially conscious or socially present from their stars because they had more latitude, as your point. But now with the kneeling, it's front and center like it hasn't been in the past, maybe for somebody who doesn't pay attention to the league to the same degree. Um, And then, you know, I think people are showing their true colors in terms of saying they're not going to watch. It's like, all right, well, fuck off. Um, But, all right, let's get to the games themselves. Let's start with the first game, Utah, New Orleans. Um, So, you know, one of the things that's very, very interesting about this bubble is when you take out the home court advantage factor, um, there's not as many teams as you think that are really playing for something in these eight games, right? Let's take the Clippers and the Nuggets they're likely to finish in the 2-3 spot in some combination. It doesn't matter who finishes 2 and who finishes 3. Similar to Boston and Toronto, as well as others. But the Pelicans are in this race to try to qualify for that playing game. And so this game is very, very important. I mean, the Pelicans were tied in the, in the games behind Memphis with uh, Portland and Sacramento, right, going into this, into this bubble. And so... Zion played. He only played 15 minutes because he had just kind of gotten back from from uh, the quarantine period. But I thought I thought the the game had a lot of swings, and you could tell there was some rust that was shaken off. But uh, you know, I think the Pelicans aren't quite ready yet. I just don't think you can count on their top guys to be consistent down the stretch. Um, and you saw that with Ingram, and you saw that with Lonzo. Um, and that's, I think, ultimately going to keep them out of the playoffs. What do you, what were your takeaways kind of from this game? It was a very sloppy game. Um, the Pelicans had it. I mean, Utah struggled so much throughout that game to score. Like, Jordan Clark, they were going too much to Jordan Clarkson. He was the yeah. only reliable scoring <laughs> option in the first half. Anytime Jordan Clarkson's overly involved in a game, something has kind of gone awry. Yeah, and I don't know what Donovan, Donovan Mitchell was doing in the first half because, I mean, he came alive a little bit later, but... They struggled so much. I thought the Pelicans squandered a really big opportunity. And you kind of mentioned it. They're, they run kind of hot and cold. And they're, they're fast. They play fast pace. None of them could click at the same time. Brandon Ingram clearly took over points of the game. Drew Holiday, I think, had a really strong game. But Lonzo Ball didn't play well. Zion uh, played well in spurts. But then I don't know why he sat out the last couple of minutes. I think they could have used his energy there. So... They're such an up-and-down team that I don't know what to make of them. Yeah. See, that's the thing, right? Like, Zion's obviously incredible. Um, he's six for eight. 
Yeah, 13 points. He was actually didn't even get a freaking rebound, which I thought was surprising. And he's minus 16 on the uh, you know on the night. But I think the weird thing is Alvin Gentry said he didn't have a minutes restriction, but that he was going to play in short bursts. Yep. And so you thought he would at least get up to 20, 25 minutes. And he didn't even play down the stretch when the game was back in the balance. I mean, I think maybe this is the last game we see that kind of like load management to get his conditioning back. But they can't afford uh, to really drop any of these games. I know they have a very, very easy schedule coming up. I believe they play the Clippers next, but then after that, it really opens up. Um, And so maybe they felt that like, even if they drop those first two, they can go on a comfortable run. But look, in the bubble, you can't just count on being on these win streaks. You're not at home. You know, you're playing every other day. The whole environment is weird. You have to account for some level of variance. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned Lonzo. Lonzo's two of thirteen, and the and the main thing is, he is a selfless player. He's a high IQ player. But until he can actually put the ball on the floor, get to the rack, and consistently finish, he's going to be very limited. Um, it's hard to really count on him in that in that way if if he's not going to be that complimentary offense, you don't, he doesn't have to go go score 20, but he's got to be somewhat efficient in what he's doing. He needs to learn how to finish at the rim. That's, we know that's his, his issue because even today's game, he's able to get there and then he just cannot convert these buckets right around the hoop. And that takes away a lot from that offense. And um, his, I mean, his three-point shooting this year has gotten better. He's become a better shooter from outside, but he needs to be able to finish down low. Uh, so Lonzo left a lot to be desired. Um, you know, it's a lot to over. It, we might be overreacting. It's the first game back, but I think for the Pelicans, this is a game you can't afford to lose. And like you mentioned, like a team like the Jazz, yeah, they're playing for seeding, but ultimately, like the seeding doesn't matter as much, and so. This is a squandered opportunity for New Orleans when they could have easily jumped out to 1-0, um, beat a pretty good team. The rest of their schedule, like you mentioned, is outside of this Clippers game, it's extremely easy. So you, you pave a nice little path for yourself towards the ninth seed or eighth seed. But you only got eight games, and they already blew one. So it, yeah, was, I mean, uh, it was disappointing. Yeah, if you're Utah, right? Or if you're Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, or Dallas – all you're trying to do is avoid the seventh seed because ultimately you have to play one of each other in the first round otherwise, and then you get to avoid the Clippers and the Lakers until round two if you're able to be victorious in round one. And that's really all you're trying to do, right? Advance as far as you can. So for Utah, what you know, they're currently fourth. Whether they finish fifth or sixth, I don't think they're overly concerned about it. It's not like they would necessarily like you know, die to play Houston over Denver. In fact, you'd probably want to play Denver, Utah. I think the interesting thing from their perspective was how are they going to replace uh, Bogdanovich's scoring? And, you know, Mike Conley started playing well down the stretch before the shutdown, and he and he played pretty decently in the exhibitions. I was actually encouraged to see what he did out there. He scored 20 points. He was, you know, he didn't shoot the ball great, but I think he was way more active, way more just generally involved than he was previously. Um, and like you said, a lot of Jordan Clarkson, they basically went to a six-man rotation. Um, you know, three, six guys played over 30 minutes, and then three guys played between 10 and 15. And that might just be what they do down the stretch, which is, you know, Clarkson, Conley, Ingles, Mitchell, Gobert, and Royce O'Neal, and just roll with that. Um, mostly a youngish team, good conditioning. Like that, that might just be their, their, their formula here because they don't have a lot of depth without Bogdanovich. And with the fact that Moutier is one of the guys they're calling up, like there's just not a lot. Um, so Moutier was a train wreck every time I saw him. Um, but also Royce O'Neal, I heard his name too many times tonight. Like he got the second most minutes out of the jazz. He was pulling up from three left and right. Like, it's it's clear they missed Bogdanovich, but I, at the same time, it's like, and the commentators, this was annoying me too. The commentators kept talking about, oh, without Bogdanovich, this guy's not LeBron. This guy's not Dane. It's like, he's, you can, yeah, he averages 20 <laughs> points a game, but like, you've got Donovan Mitchell, you've got other pieces. Like, they shouldn't be struggling this much to score. But the problem is makes Utah, Utah's balance is so tenuous. As soon as you get rid of one option, 
Mitchell tries to go like he's fucking Jordan from Last Dance <laughs> episode four. Like he's just going crazy. And it's like, dude, you've got to just move the ball, give it up. And he, it's not like he shot a ton, but it, he just makes erratic decisions and like kind of forceful decisions. One of the things I was actually watching for was his chemistry with Gobert. They seemed mm-hmm. like they were on good terms. They they were kind of dapping each other up a little bit. He actually passed it to Gobert for those last two free throws that ended up winning the game. I mean, they had a nice little pick and roll going. They had an alley-oop at one point. Um they actually played decently well together, and they need to take advantage of that more. Um, but I don't know. It, it, they, man, just watching them, I was so unimpressed. Like, even though they ended up winning that game, I, Utah's just, I don't see them making any noise in the playoffs. Do you? No, I mean, I guess what what is noise, right? Do, do they get out of round one? If they play Oklahoma City, I could see them getting out of round one. I think they match up well with Oklahoma City because they're also a guard-heavy team. How would they play Oklahoma City in round one? I mean, that's currently how it's set up. They're the 4-5 right now. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, yeah, Oklahoma City 5. So, I mean, th- these things can move around, right? I expect Houston to move up. So maybe they play Houston. There's no chance they beat Houston. James Harden puts Utah in the torture chamber every single season. <laughs> yep. So th- there, there's no way. And, like, the small ball – with Gobert trying to chase Covington to the three-point line uh, as the center, there's no chance that they beat Houston. But I could see them beating Oklahoma City. And if they played Dallas, I think that would be a really, really interesting series. Yep. I mean, ultimately, like, the question is really going to become with Utah's, what's their ceiling with this team? I think before the season started, they thought they were going to be a title contender when they added Conley, you know, to an another year of of uh experience for for Mitchell and for Gobert that's that's not their ceiling i think they could make a conference final um if the chips fell right not this year maybe maybe moving forward with Bogdanovich healthy but you know for them it's like can we get to round 2 i think that would be a successful bubble trip for them well, i agree i agree that that's the most you can ask for and and the Bogdanovich loss as much as i try to you know talk about that it is a big loss it is a yeah. big loss for them and, and it takes away a lot from what they um a lot of what they're usually successful with so yeah on the on the pelican side i guess i'm worried in terms of like i don't know if they know who their guys are right i i think they have too many players and a lot of times that's positioned as a good thing the problem is a lot of their guys are like mediocre to above average and i just don't know that they know who to play like let's take a guy like drew holiday drew holiday is a cut above the rest right he's always going to be in the floor on the floor when it matters his two-way ability his leadership you know his veteran moxie the fact that he's been in big games but after that like brandon ingram was on fire in the first half and then he goes totally cold down the stretch zion of his of course is going to be there but Zion's still a rookie. Like, you can't necessarily expect this guy to come out every night and be a dominant force on both ends. In fact, it should be noted, even when Zion came back, everybody was just like, oh, if the season had continued, then we just pencil him in for the playoff spot. It's like, wait a second. Even when Zion came back, they were first in the league in points per game, and they still only went 10 and 9 in those 19 games. It's not like he was as much as a, of a world beater as he was personally. It's not like the team took this drastic upswing. And I just, you know, they have Hayes, they play Josh Hart, you know, they play Melly. Obviously, Reddick needs to get his minutes. There's just too many guys, and I don't know that anyone is good enough to stand out above the rest other than if Alvin Gentry is going like a let's play by the feel every game, and that's too hard of a way to build your rotation. I mean, that's why I hammered them at the beginning of the season. Like I was saying, they're going to go under the win total because – they throughout the season, Gentry was juggling lineups, trying to figure out who to play, and obviously Zion wasn't there until much later. And and I think towards the the suspension, like last set of games, they started to get a better feel for themselves. But even then, like it was a very small sample size. They don't have a, a rotation you can trust. They don't have the guys you can necessarily trust at the end of a game. So it'll take them another year. Um, so for me, I thought people were jumping the gun, like penciling them into the playoffs because they still have a lot of, they're talented. They for sure have a lot of talent, but I don't think they, um, they know the proper way to utilize all that talent just yet. And so next year will be, 
the year where they can really figure that out. Yeah, I mean, they're very, very young. Um, I think what will be key, and like, look, Bradley Beal from the Wizards is in a lot of trade talks, right? The Nets, the Heat, et cetera. The Pelicans are a team to watch for. Can they, can they put in a package that really allows them to bring in Beal to the fold, who's still young enough to grow with Zion to an extent, but someone who's like more of that A-list star, which they don't necessarily have? Because I love Ingram, and I think he's really progressed his game. I, and I say I love him, like I thought he was a joke coming into the league, and I thought he was going to bust <laughs> out. And he's gotten so much better every single year. But he's something about him, like when I watch him play – I feel like he gets his numbers, but he doesn't necessarily – it's not selfishness, but he doesn't do so in a way that is always helping the team win, if that makes sense. I mean, he had a stretch today in the second quarter where he looked like he was doing that, but then like you said, he vanished in the second half um, when they really needed him. And I I don't know if it's just his frame. Like I I still don't think he's a guy who can – he is a wing. He's that like playing that three position, the Kawhi, the LeBron, the Durant, but – he doesn't have the physicality to to assert himself on that end yet. Yeah, it's your boy Royce O'Neal, who you just hated, was <laughs> Dean him locking his ass up. Exactly. <laughs> All right, enough of this game. Let's move to the the main course. This is what we've been looking forward to. Um, it's it really is meaningless in the grand scheme of things. I want to preface <laughs> totally meaningless. <laughs> but holy shit. Lakers Clippers was a battle. I felt like there was five different times throughout where I was like, "Oh my god, one of the two teams is gonna roll with this," and then and like kept looking like there was just such a seesaw. Um, Lakers came out hot, then Clippers took over, then Lakers came back, then Clippers looked like they were gonna make a run, and then it. I gotta tell you a gambling story. Let me tell you this right now. All right, so. We were watching the game at the bar, right? So we we're like, all right, well, we're here. It feels like 2019 again. We got to put money on this thing, right? So we were like, instead of just one thing here and there, let's just put like, let's scatter five, six bets um, across a number of different things. <laughs> so the first bet we made was who was going to score the first basket. Wait, is this on Bovada? Are you betting on Bovada? No, Illinois has legal sports gambling now. God damn. Okay. We solved coronavirus and we're gambling <laughs> like no other. So we're, we're live. Um, first basket and we're like oh who's gonna be lebron Kawhi, blah blah blah. they were both plus 450 so then we're like no no, no. it's gonna be javel because javel you know you always try to feed the big man and they, they crash they crash lebron and then he's gonna feed it he scored plus 900 immediate hit damn he, he got the first basket on like a kind of broken play he had an alley-oop possibility that lebron didn't throw and so we were just like Fuck, we missed it because he was going to oop him. And he ended up giving it to him, and he actually hit kind of a challenging shot. So we were off to a good start. Then let me fast forward all the We lost the third quarter over. That's not important. But let me <laughs> fast forward all the way to the end of the game, all right? It's 96-90. The Lakers are up. And we start looking at each other, and it was like LeBron wasn't coming back, it looked like, right? Because he wasn't even in the game with under yeah. four minutes to go. So it was like, okay, I guess they're just load managing him. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Kawhi started to get that look in his eye, right? <laughs> Kawhi started attacking. And so originally, here's our bets. We picked uh, under one tw- uh, 219 overall, so that did hit. I'll just say that. We picked uh, the Lakers minus four. And we picked uh, the score to end on an odd number, total score. And um, and yeah, so then we were like, okay, so we could still hit those three, right? Then the Clippers started coming back and we checked, we checked the account and Clippers to win money line was plus 600. Oh, we're so like, you oh, hedged? We got to take this. And Paul George hits that shot, ties at 101, and fucking LeBron, game winner, basically, right? Lakers win by two, so they don't cover, nor do the Clippers win, and it's an and even it's out even number. <laughs> he just lost everything. Just lost it all. At least you hit the under. We hit the under, but, like, what was the Clippers defense doing as LeBron was just, like, <laughs> Cascade, like just careening towards the basket after that missed jumper. I don't understand what was going on. 
This is why oh, you man. never trust a Morris twin in this high-pressure situation. Uh, man, all I got was vibes of Kush watching the Morris twins out there. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm just so upset. So, all right, what are your thoughts on the game? Because a lot happened, a lot of swings. Some guys were out, you know, Rondo for the Lakers, and then, uh, of course, Lou Will and Montrez for the Clippers. This isn't a real battle, but the guys played. I mean, they they kind of went at it as if it was, you know? Look, the game is meaningless at the end of the day. Um, the fact that Lou Will and Montrez were out, um, I, mean, I, I mean, forget about Rondo and Avery Bradley. Like, the Clippers were clearly missing a lot more. Um, so you can't take away too much, but the, what I take away from these games is what happens at the end. Cause both teams are clearly going at it. Um, both teams have a chip on their shoulder. They're both trying to prove something. And I mean, throughout the game, I think Anthony Davis was able to assert himself, which I think is a great positive because when LeBron had a down game, like, the question is always when LeBron's not playing well, can Anthony Davis lead that team? Today was the first time I actually saw that happening. I don't think there's been any other time in the season where, there have been times Anthony Davis has had a great game, but LeBron has never been a non-factor like he was tonight. And he pretty much was a non-factor till the end. So to me, that was a very promising sign. The Clippers could not stop Anthony Davis. And then at the end, what was really promising for the Lakers was the fact that LeBron defensively locked in, uh, put the clamps on both Paul George and Kawhi. And I think that matters. Like, He's not going to be asked to do that the entire game, but the fact that he's able to do it at the end of the game and then still make an impact on the offensive end, like for the Lakers, that's all you want to see. Um, you want to see that against the Clippers, and he showed that in the last game they played. He showed it in this game, and I think that's very promising. So I, I that's my takeaway was the fact that you know defensively they were able to shut LA down, and then when when it mattered, LeBron was able to make plays. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis didn't have a good game. The refs did for him. Man went to the line 17 I mean, times, 13 in the first half. Just gift-wrapped this game, especially the even scoring, you know? Just gift-wrapped that to him. Um, <laughs> I mean, getting to the line, that's that's a, it, his true shooting percentage was good. That's, like, that's a that's, good game. Yeah, that's all we care about in this day and age. No, I, <laughs> I, I actually, LeBron guarded Kawhi a lot more today than I actually thought he would, and I think he has in the past. Just because the way the matchups were laid out, I thought he was going to end up being more on uh, Marcus Morris. I and I just you. think he he ended up guarding um, he ended up guarding Kawhi a good bit. He guarded Paul George. Those last few possessions, he was really locked in. Kawhi couldn't really get around him. One play led to the turnover from Reggie Jackson that Caruso stole. The other play at the end, like Paul George had a really tough and bad look at that three. Um, which LeBron actually helped out. I ended up switching out on and, and, and guarding him as well. And I think LeBron has been rightfully criticized for his defense, but the reason why a playoff LeBron is different than regular season is that you can turn it up in the key moments. But I was actually, you know, this is going to sound crazy. I was more convinced that the Clippers are going to win the title than before they play this game. There's too many answers that they have when everyone's at full strength. Like Lou Will, for example, you need two points. Lou Will can go get you those two points. They don't have that tonight. Like we don't need to see 34 minutes of Reggie Jackson ever again unless it's an injury or unless it's like, uh, you know, Lou Will essentially suspended. So I think, you know, Jeff Green or sorry, Jermichael Green playing 29 minutes, you know, some of those things I think will change. Like those are all Montrez's minutes, right? And I think that actually is a pretty big impact. Like we can't even count Avery Bradley because he's not going to show. This isn't like they don't have Avery Bradley. Like Rondo at least at some point can get back in the playoffs, but Rondo is actually like almost addition by subtraction, the fact that he's not there. Those are more minutes for Caruso. There are more minutes for yeah, – honestly, like Deion Waiters wasn't bad. Deanna Waiters Dude, actually that, good. That's understanding it. He played incredibly. Yeah. <laughs> he played exactly. incredibly. He had a couple like really nice drives. Um, he he actually went one of six from three, and that means he hit all of his two-point baskets. Like I thought he attacked the rim well. And LeBron's not going to shoot six of 19 and, uh, again, but I think where we have to go with this is, yes, everyone's just trying to feel each other out, 
But it does mean something that LeBron locked up Kawhi and Paul George. But it also means something that Kawhi and Paul George had 58 combined and they lost by two in a game that nobody else really helped out, you know, and they didn't have their full complement of players. And I think these two teams, I mean, it's going to be very surprising to me if they don't play in these uh, Western Conference finals. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're right. Like Lou Will, Montrezl Harrell. They're two big pieces that it's hard to discount the fact that they weren't there. Um, so I don't think the takeaway from this game is that the Lakers are well-primed to beat the Clippers. But I think there is a takeaway that, um, I mean, at the end of the day, like Lou Will's not going to be hitting the last shot. Lou Will's not going to be a focal point in the last three possessions of a game. He's not. He just isn't. He never has been in his career, and he never will. And neither will Montrezl Harrell. So at the, the end of a game, and like the, obviously with those guys, the – the rest of the game will go very differently. But if the end of the game gets into a close situation like this, it's going to play out like we saw today. And so from that perspective, I think Lakers have some kind of thing to hold on to. Yeah, but, the, dif- um, the difference is this, though, right? Like if you go down and look at like – just look, look at plus minus, which I get is not a great stat. But everyone on the Clippers starting lineup minus Zubac had a, had a plus. Like Kawhi was plus 16. Morris was plus 10. Reggie Jackson was plus nine. Then you go down to their bench. Joakim Noah, minus 12. Landry Shamit, minus 19. Patrick Beverly, minus nine. And so it's not that, that Lou Will will have the last shot or that Montrez will be involved in that last play. It's that they can supplement the starters better than what they had tonight. Like they can, and like Patrick Beverly shouldn't be coming off the bench. I was confused by that. If anything, he's the perfect player to play next to George and Kawhi, who doesn't need the ball in his hands. Whereas you give Reggie Jackson more of that isolation opportunity coming off the bench. Well, he's just getting back into the flow of things, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. So it may just be a matter of like, okay, let's get his conditioning up, which is why you can't take it because he's going to start like that. He's their starting point guard. Honestly, this game, it, it nothing mattered, right? It didn't matter at all. It was just a, a narrative game. The meat, obviously, the meat is going to make a lot of this game, even though it, <laughs> because it's the first game coming back. So it, it didn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. I am more interested to see the Lakers still have some glaring holes. I think the bench, like J.R. Smith, didn't give them anything. Not that they expected anything from J.R. Smith, but you know he didn't really do anything tonight. You're not going to get that kind of game from Deion Waiters regularly. Caruso, I thought, played well. Like, his, his shooting numbers don't show it. But defensively, he was active, kind of getting in the lane, and he made some great plays on the offensive end. Kuzma. Um, Kuzma had a great game. That was the yeah. nice surprise. But I just – I don't trust the rest of that lineup as much as I trust the Clippers um, and and the pieces they have. And once they get Lou, once they get Montrez back, I think that's going to be – that's the worry for me with Lakers is these you can't rely on any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, it can be a rotating cast of role players as long as someone steps up. And if Vogel is quick with the trigger and trying to understand who he should fit in, then it'll be okay. Now, a lot of that responsibility falls on the coach to play the hot hand. And we just talked about this with New Orleans, where they don't necessarily have a good sense of who should be out there. The difference, though, between New Orleans and L.A. is you have two guys who are, you know, top five players in the league who should always be out there. And so it's not as hard to figure out the other three around them. Um, And, I, you know, I think Caruso, for example, is a guy who struggled up front. Then he made some really big plays down the stretch, got to the line, got to the rim. He had that huge steal. And then it's like, okay, you can start developing trust in some of these players. And I think by the time Rondo comes back in a perfectly like meritocratic world, is that a word? Meritocracy. If it was a meritocracy, (laughs) Rondo may never even see the floor, right? He may end up playing. He's also a net negative. He shouldn't see the floor. Right. And he may end up playing just because of his pedigree and whatever. But, you know, they may find out that they have enough with the 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 Caruso, KCP, Dion Waiters, J.R. Smith combo. <laughs> and that you don't and you don't really even need like it's like at the end of the day, like with one minute left on the clock, I think there's only three guys who are guaranteed to be out there. It's LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Danny Green. Yep. And so you just have to figure out two spots. Right? And and like you hope that 
Vogel, who who has done a great job this year, but has ridden Rondo a little too much, doesn't fall back into that trap uh, when he comes back from his injury. Yeah, I mean, that's what I worry about because I still I'm still trying to figure out what is that eight man rotation like. I feel like all the good teams, all the best teams who won titles, they have a very clear, clean eight man rotation. Right. Who is that rotation for this team? I, I still don't think they know. I still think they're trying to figure it out because now you're saying Deion Waiters might be part of that rotation. Like Deion Waiters was literally a late ad and he had a good game tonight. I don't know how much you can trust him down Yeah, the he got signed two weeks ago. Yeah. So I think Kuzma has to be part of it. Um, I think just the scoring he can bring off the bench, the fact that he can actually go get a bucket um, in a not totally insane manner like Waiters and Smith. I think Kuzma has to be part of it, and I think you're going to see at least one center, probably JaVel, just because AD doesn't doesn't like playing the five. The question is, do they still play Dwight? And maybe they don't go to an eight-man rotation because they need to cycle in Dwight and JaVel. They're just like still a good nine. Yeah, Yeah, you got to go nine or maybe even ten. They also have too many like mediocre guys. And look, but the Clippers don't. Not have that problem, right? They got Shamit, Reggie Jackson, and Lou Will off the bench at guard. Um, you know, they're playing Jamichael Green. They're playing Patrick Patterson. Like, does Joakim Noah get real run in the playoffs, or is it just because no. Montrez is out? Like, I don't know. Probably the latter, but he, he's got playoff resume, right? And that always is attractive to coaches. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, both these teams made a lot of late-season additions that they they need to figure out what that rotation looks like. Like both teams have added a lot of pieces in the last, you know, several months. Yeah. Um so you're right, the Clippers to some extent face that same problem. But I just have more confidence in their depth than I do in the Dion Waiters, Dwight Howard, KCP, <laughs> J.R. Smith, you know. How did they Caruso. assemble this fucking roster of people? <laughs> I know. It's uh it's that's why that's why LeBron should win MVP, man. Forget about Anthony Davis. Look at this cast of characters, this cast of clowns he's carrying. So the latest uh LeBron Bron sexual kind of like momentum is based on the fact that I guess ESPN picked the Lakers to finish fifth in the Western Conference, and people are not happy. A lot of people picked the Lakers to not finish high. The, I don't the remember their total was I remember high. hammering the over. Yeah, but that's because the total was set pretty low. <laughs> that's, it was that's set at like 51. Yeah, the total was set low. That's why people were hammering the over. Did they even end up winning 51 games? I mean, it, uh, if you projected the... No, just total not projecting. We can't, we can't live in a hypothetical world. How many did they win? They only won 50. But they didn't even they didn't play an 82-game season. <laughs> I don't remember that being, you know, rule number 76. No excuses. Play like a champion. I, I actually do have to mail in my. I had my Miami Heat bet over. Remember, I hammered the over. Uh, I got to get my money back on that. Yeah, send in Wait, my ticket. If you so, I guess one question I had is like, are they honoring any of the bets, or what if like a bet had already proven out to be true or false? No, they're pushing. Oh, well, actually, that I don't know. Like, if they had already surpassed the win total. Yeah, like for example, the Thunder. Their win total was like 32 or something. Honestly, that's a good question. I feel like they should still honor that, but I don't know. What we should do, and I don't think we'll ever do this because it's going to require a little bit of effort, which we're not willing to put in, but we should go back and listen to that podcast because I don't think, I actually think I deleted like my over unders, and I don't know if you have yours, but I think no, I deleted I have mine. to go back and listen. Yeah. Right. We should go extrapolate the wins. And see what our record was. And then you'd have to like take the stand and defend your egregious decisions. And I would have to do the same. We should do that. We should do that. Because I remember we should have thought about this like literally the last yeah, couple weeks we were starving the four and for and content. Of quarantine that we were doing absolutely nothing while uh, we were crafting the dime machine. <laughs> so here's the crazy thing, right? Like, Obviously, today was the season opener. Tomorrow, there's six games. And basically, from here on out, it's just basketball nirvana. I love it. I mean, it's I, insane. 
And 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 we forget like next week, starting next week, we're gonna have daytime games. It's gonna be like March Madness all over again. We're like, you got a two p.m. start. Oh, um, tomorrow's first game work. is at one thirty Central. Yeah, maybe, but oh, tomorrow itself. Yeah, which game is that? <laughs> it's a very marquee matchup: uh, Orlando Magic, Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> <laughs> At 3 o'clock, you have actually the real marquee matchup, so I didn't want to bury the lead, but the Phoenix Suns and uh, Washington Wizards. <laughs> it's like very clear just the teams are trying to get out of the way. I got to cancel all my plans, man. I, I can't not watch all this game, all these games. You got to just, I mean, luckily I for you, you're job. central time, so like it's a little bit later in the workday. You know, so I want to talk about that really quickly. Today's games, let's go East Coast, right? Because East East Coast bias. Today's games were 6.30 and 9 p.m. Eastern time zone. Yep. So you actually could watch the conclusion of Lakers uh, Clippers without being like a zombie the next day at work. Mm -hmm. What do you think about moving to that kind of model? Because right now it's like 8 and 10.30 Eastern, which means the the second game ends at almost 1 a.m. Eastern time. Look, I like the 6, 9.30. Or sorry, what is it? Six, six thirty, and nine. No, so you can watch three thirty and six. Basically, would be for you. So obviously, right now during quarantine, I'm fine with that. But during the normal, like if we have to get back to work, I what three thirty? I'm gonna miss the game. I'm missing Pelicans Jazz. Like I mean, I you're streaming it. Like you, you, your job is allowing you to stream that for sure. <laughs> you just go to like the like foosball like general like employee lounge area <laughs> on there. <laughs> They got it on the big screen anyway. Exactly. No one's working. Everyone's just watching the game. Um, nah, man. I like for me. I like the five p.m. kind of seven thirty because it aligns perfectly with the the West Coast work day, right? Like it does. if you if you're able to get off the earliest five o'clock or five thirty, you're still able to catch the whole game. So right. I don't know, but for now, hey, I'll take it. Three thirty. I got the game. I had the game streaming today. No worries. Working simultaneously. It was great. I think, yeah, I think the productivity, I, I'm actually curious to see what kind of numbers this game did tonight, the two games, but I think the productivity combined with the fact that the games are all earlier so everybody can watch, and plus to your point, even the ones who are at work are at home, essentially, means that I think these these games are going to do crazy numbers. I mean, look, the WNBA, the opening game, did like... It was like up like 60%. Exactly. So the NBA, like, I, I wouldn't see why the NBA wouldn't also have similar kind of uh, numbers. So, did you see the Andre Iguodala aerial powers controversy? Yeah, and I, I, I thought his comment was relatively harmless. Um, I thought so too. It's just a way that like athletes refer to themselves. I, I mean, like, I refer to like when I'm watching a game, like a college game that I don't know. I'm like, oh, dude, number six is nice. He's heating up. Like, right. It's not a men's or women's thing. It's. But, I agree. I think it's just like a acknowledgement of a hooper. Yeah, I think the Is mistake that, he made was that he double like he, he should doubled just, down. He double not yeah double down and kind of he should have just said oh my bad like I should have known right like it became more of a thing because he responded with like oh watch your manners and this and that and yeah right that's where I disagreed with him but I didn't think his comment was that. So Kevin Durant tweeted, and I don't know if it was a shot at the or or what, but he tweeted number fourteen is a different breed tonight in regards to Brandon Ingram. Oh, that's definitely like a not you a shot, but like, like supporting. It's like a know. reference to it. Yeah. <laughs> Durant is he he tweeted at the account God, and he said, "Yo, God, at God, are we good?" Wait, when was this? Like earlier today. He said, yo, God, are we good? We good. (laughs) I think he's had a rough year, right? He tore his Achilles instead of winning a third title. Then he gets coronavirus. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, he was like the first guy who got in the NBA after Gobert. And now he's just kind of like, you know, waiting to get back on the court. And the season's not going to start till December. I, I I don't feel that bad for him. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we have a lot of basketball going. I honestly, we've been 
manipulating our way through so much content <laughs> that I don't even know <laughs> what to do when we actually have interesting feel. choice of words. Well, I just mean like we've been trying to like create so much things, so many things to talk about that I don't even know what to do now that there's actual. Like now that we've actually got an organic material to work with, we're just like, what? All I can do is tell you how many minutes like Reggie Jackson played. That's the extent of my analysis. I'm not yeah, going to I mean, do you know, part. you know, it's going to get bad when we have to dive into Wizards magic, like what, you know, Rui's plus or minus. It's. So I did want to talk about the Wizards for a second. Oh, my God. So they have to make up two games, right? On either the Magic or the Nets, whoever finishes eighth. They have to go 2-0 and their first two games. It's against the Suns and against the Nets. If they go 2-0, and there's a path to making the play-in game. If they don't, it's over. Okay, so what's your point? My point is, this may be the single worst team that's ever played a playoff game. <laughs> There's a chance at that. I don't think. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, man. I, I just all these teams that are banking on like other teams to go cold and for them to get hot. Like, I think a lot of teams in this in this bubble are going to go like five three, four four, six two. You know what I mean? Like. So then who are the ones that are going the other way? My point is there's no Wizards. there's not going to be any big hot streaks or cold streaks. Everyone's kind of kind of be in the middle. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so teams like the Wizards are going to because of that they're not going to gain any ground. Um everyone's just going to kind of be mediocre and I it's just so. going to go into the bubble or playoffs the same way we ended. I think so. I think so. I don't think That's there's going to be that much movement. It's possible. It's possible. I I do think that um, I think that who, okay. So are you taking Sacramento still out of the West kind of? Hell yeah, let's go, dude! After New Orleans lost tonight, I'm still I'm still taking Sac. I think they got a chance. I think I, I have to go Portland just because they look good now with other whole all their pieces. Carmelo, Carmelo's looking good, man. Yeah, he's I mean, looking he's very. Looking very svelte, and he's just, you know. My problem with the Kings is I can't recognize Fox anymore. <laughs> he looks small. He, he looks, looks like tiny. He looks tiny. And then, like, now, like, I actually love the names. I think you'll look the names on the back of the jersey looks really cool. But now it's even harder because guys have grown their hair. Guys have looked different than they did. And you can't tell who's who whatsoever. I know. It's like you're watching. Like it's fine when we're watching Lakers Clippers, but when you start watching, because everyone's a star. Yeah, Suns Nets. I don't even know how deep the Nets are reaching into their roster, given that they've got a lot of guys missing. Like you don't even know. You're going to be saying like, "Oh, who's number 15 is looking pretty good today." (laughs) I did note who was kind of wearing their own name, and they actually do a good job where they put the name under the number. If yeah. it's your name, so yeah, you yeah, can yeah. clearly tell. Like LeBron and stuff like that. LeBron, Kawhi, AD. Look, and I don't even like people who try to stir up this controversy like, oh, LeBron's not wearing a name, you know, or a social justice message, this and that. It's like, dude, don't make this a controversy. Like, the, these guys are doing plenty outside of the court. Like, don't – what they put on their jersey is not, you know, yeah. going to make or break with their contribution. I, I think one of the big things that you would with people who even Neil would stress is that like no matter what, you always have to respect someone being able to speak their mind on something. Yep. However they want to do that. Um and so yeah, I I don't think people are giving LeBron a hard I mean, look, people are always gonna give LeBron a hard time about anything. Anything he says and does. Like the amount of people on Twitter who suddenly care about China, for example. Um, who have never yeah. in their lives yeah, thought the about... Yeah, the China thing bugs me so much. It. We should talk about that at some point, but it is a fair... It's not. First of all, it's not a fair point for random assholes on Twitter to like say it every five seconds because they don't give a shit about China or what the atrocities are that are going on there. They literally just want to incite reaction. But it should be noted that there is, just like when we talked about with that China pod months and months ago... There is a fine line that someone like LeBron is pushing because he can't actually speak out against a very major revenue source for him. And so, yes, he does not owe it to China to speak on their 
domestic policy. He's American. He's going to speak on American issues, as are 99.9% of all these people. There is always that looming. You're not speaking on China, not because it's a foreign situation. You're not speaking on it because of the financial interest. And I think that's always going to be kind of like that yeah. looming cloud. I mean, that's still an important topic. I get it. I, the problem I have is the whataboutism that people yeah. use it yeah. for. Whataboutism is, is, is just, it's everywhere about yeah. every fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> we could go on for, I mean, dude, we, I was thinking about this, like every single post that I saw of tonight's um you know pregame ceremonies and in general when there's announcements around what people were going to do yep it's the most visceral reaction one way or the other of like this is amazing versus i'll never watch the nba again right <laughs> exactly, or you, yeah. you click on a fucking post about coronavirus it's like people are idiots we should stay and wear masks or this is a hoax. I guess they'll be healthy in five seconds and you guys are freaking out. And sh- It's just like the toxicity is, is hard to kind of yeah. get a hold of. I know, man. That's just the world we live in. So I don't know if that's going to get any better anytime soon. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Look, it's- at least we got basketball back. At least we have like... Yeah, I'm about to like start crying on been podcast. <laughs> I know other sports have been back, but man, it feels so good to have something to like look forward to to talk about. That's not politics. That's not. I mean, a lot of these other issues are important, right? It's not about taking away attention from these, but at some point, sometimes you just need something to just yeah take your mind off take your mind off everything, and it's finally here. So baseball feels weird with the empty stadiums. I don't think basketball feels as weird. No, I think basketball it, it's it's fine. Um, and we get and hockey. Be fun. Hockey back on Saturday, and then football is, I think, a major TBD. <laughs> I love how the college football games are just like, oh, you know, we're only we're doing a conference only schedule, so twelve instead of twelve games, we're doing nine games. Like that's going to be a lot safer. Like it's, it's going to ex- be okay. <laughs> can you explain this to me? Well, I guess okay. The conference schedule you could likely bust to most of your games. Okay, hold on. Maybe for like the SEC, I don't know, but what you're talking about Pac-12, you're gonna go from University of Miami has is gonna bust to Boston College. (laughs) (laughs) No, but can can you explain this to me? How the fuck are college football teams going to play, and then their players are going to then go interact with thousands of college kids who are on the campus? I don't know. Explain to me how that's going to work. Dude, none of these, like, they haven't thought through anything. They're just trying to, I don't know. It, none of it's going to work. Has it's UCLA already said it's not, Pac-12 has said they're not playing, right? No, Pac-12 has a, they have a schedule. They have a conference schedule. What happened, What about the UC systems that said they weren't, was that like Cal State? No, that's what I don't understand either because the UCs did say something and then like the, but the Pac-12 announced like we're having a nine-game schedule, uh, and I think UCLA is still part of that schedule. So I, I don't know, man. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I haven't paid full attention. There's no chance any of that happens. But uh, I think the NFL has a, has a shot. The MLB is basically the model to see if this like empty stadium playing your own home stadium works. Oh, so apparently the Marlins players all went to a strip club in Miami. Oh, I actually had no idea. So yeah, that's, that's where they got it. That's what rumors are reporting. And so, therefore, as we know, indoors uh, without masks tends to be trouble. So, oh my God. That's, I mean, this is why I'm worried about Lou Will, man. I mean, I know he's like, he's just picking up wings and he had his mask on. Next time you go there, I recommend trying the Lou Will lemon pepper wings. Have you actually are... had them? No, I haven't been to Magic City, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, but I heard good things. Um, I know. I've, I've heard a lot of good things, too. They're, I mean, their business is probably blowing up. They've gotten a lot of good PR out of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's them and Gold Club are like the two preeminent institutions. In, in, uh, it's kind of like the Georgia Tech and... and um, <laughs> 
Emery of Atlanta. <laughs> um, all right. Well, basketball is back, as you said. A lot more to happen. We don't even know how to analyze basketball anymore. Um, we don't. We've, we've done so many weeks of just bullshit that I don't know. <laughs> I was watching. I was like, I don't know what I'm watching for. I'm looking at the score. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for that third quarter over. Uh, but all right. We're going to be back next week. We're going to have a ton more of just like general observations and sort of like time to have made those observations. Everyone's going to be played, I think, have played at least two games by then. Um, so it'll give us a much better perspective um, on where we stand and how things look gearing towards the playoffs. So um, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review uh, to Thick and Thin on all major podcast platforms email us at thick and thin hoops at gmail.com let us know your thoughts on on what the viewing experience has been like and how happy you are to have basketball back um but this has been fun man we will talk to you next week 